Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. Mm-hmm.
And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. I'll be joined with Don by John Don Berlinson in just a moment. I want to do a mini rant, though. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had all kinds of problems with people attacking me personally, uh, suggesting I'm a liar. I'm a skeptic, worse than Philip Class. Uh, I've seen reviews of my books that suggest one of them on, on Roswell in the 21st century, the guy says, don't buy this book. There are no aliens. And I'm thinking, excuse me, read the book and you would find out the conclusion is probably somewhat different than you expect it to be. I don't understand why there's this sudden assault on my integrity, but it seems to be circulating through the UFO community. The only thing I have done is try to get to the bottom of the UFO mystery, try to provide the best evidence I can, do the best investigations possible and provide the best information. And people just become irritated at me for that. And I, I just don't understand it. If you're really interested in UFOs and you really want to know what's going on, that would be the attitude you'd want to take. Not all UFO sightings are of alien spacecraft. Uh, there are, I, I think the entire UFO community, as a matter of fact, understands that 95% of the sightings reported are mundane. They're mistakes. They're misidentifications. They're hoaxes. And then you have this small category of 5% that are unexplained, which doesn't mean they're alien spacecraft. And I can think of a number of cases that have been labeled unidentified originally that we've now, because of our science advancements, are able to identify. But I just wanted to mention that it's getting really tiresome of these personal attacks. You want to, want to argue about the information. You want to argue about the facts. Yeah, let's do it. Let's debate it. But there's no need to attack me personally. Now that I have that off my chest, I will bring on Don Berlinson. Dr. Donald Berlinson is a New Mexico State Director for MUFON and has done work on such classic UFO cases as Roswell, naturally, the Lubbock Lights, the Level Land, Texas landing, Socorro, New Mexico incident, and the Holoban Air Force Base UFO landing of 1964. Please notice all these cases that he's done a lot of work on sort of are right around where he lives. So he hasn't traveled great extensive distances. I think Lubbock is like three hours away from his home and that sort of thing. I just had to bring that up for no reason whatsoever. He is the author of 24 books, including UFOs and the murder of Marilyn Monroe, UFO Secrecy and the Fall of J. Robert Oppenheimer, the Roswell-related novel Arroyo, and the novella Roswell Genes, and that's genes as in genetics as opposed to blue. Uh, Dr. Burlinson is a mathematician, is retired after 50 years of teaching college mathematics and still does research in matrix theory and has been writing a UFO-related newspaper column called Looking Up for the Roswell Daily Record since 1999. He and his wife Molly live in Roswell, New Mexico, which I just kind of alluded to before. They've lived there since 1996. Don Burlinson, welcome to A Different Perspective. Hello, Kevin. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's about time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, sure. Well, let's uh, let's get started here. And I've uh, been looking at your work, of course, and I, well, we've known each other for a number of years. Yeah. And I was um, looking at the level land stuff that you had done a, a, a while back, which is very interesting. Um, mm. and, and anybody who's listened to the program knows I'm a fan of the level land case. Briefly, can, can you give us a, just a brief synopsis of what the Leveland case involves. Okay, well, on the evening of uh, November 2nd to 3rd, uh, 
right around just before and just after midnight, uh, numerous reports came in to the sheriff's office in Leveland, Texas, about objects being seen on and around the highways um, around uh, around Leveland. And uh, these reports just kept coming in. And uh, people were reporting what we would now call the EM effect, you know, the electromagnetic stoppage of your motor or making your lights uh, dim or your mo- motor splutter and go out. Um, that wasn't a very well-known concept in those days, and so it's interesting that people continued to, you know, were, were constantly reporting it. And around 1.30 in the morning, uh, the sheriff uh, got so exasperated with hearing all these uh, reports coming in, he decided to go out and have a look himself, so he took his deputy, uh, a fellow named McCulloch, as I remember, out, and sure enough, they saw the object aloft, uh, too, and experienced the EM effect. And shortly afterward, of course, the place was inundated with military and government people, and uh, the cover-up began. And essentially, uh, what, what wasn't known until... until uh, uh, my wife Molly and I went down there and kind of started poking around and digging up new evidence. Is that the sheriff was threatened? Not, not that that's any <laughs> anything unusual or any big surprise, but the sheriff was threatened actually to to keep quiet about what he had seen. Although the official explanation was, quote, ball lightning, unquote, which of course is commonly known to land on highways and take off again and land other places. Uh, it just the logic, of course, as as is the case always with cover-ups, the logic is poor and flawed and inconsistent. Well, we got. I should point out, ball lightning is a very short-lived phenomenon. The rarely the yeah. the manifestation is 18 inches or or smaller, um, and yeah. really really is quite rare. And in 1957, when they were proposing this, the um, idea of ball lightning existence was in question by an awful lot of the scientific community as well. So they were proposing an explanation of a phenomenon, the UFO, with another phenomenon that wasn't uh, well established yet. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You mentioned in, in, in some of your writings on this that the sheriff um, had uh, found a, bur- a burned area and that uh, you had interviewed his widow and his daughter about this. Well, I interviewed uh, no, just just the daughter, and she. Uh, well, for one thing, she remembers her her father very fondly, and then remembers him as being a effective and you know tough and hard nailed you know kind of kind of sheriff as he should be, and not not being afraid or scared of anything until this happened. And she remembers him being scared, you know, not by the object he saw in the sky, but but the way but by the way he was being treated by, you know, the people who came to town, uh, essentially, you know, trying to keep it all quieted down. And, and he did, she did say that, and I've got actually two well-coordinated uh, uh, witnesses that talk about that burn ring. Uh, she did say that he was called out to a uh, ranch on the northeast side of town, uh, just just outside of town, uh, because there was a burn ring in the prairie grass out there, and there were dead cows lying around it. And of course, you know, dead cows are a pretty, pretty serious thing to a, to a rancher. So that's why he was called out. And uh, that correlates well with uh, another witness that we dug up. We went, we went to um, my wife Molly and I went to Leveland and spent three days there digging around. It was in uh, March, late March of uh, 
of uh, 2002. That was uh, during spring break. I was still teaching at the college here in Roswell at the time. And um, one of the other witnesses we talked to was a, a woman named Carolyn Reno at the uh, at the college library at South Plains College. And she had been uh, 10 years old at the time. The sheriff's daughter had been four. Uh, and uh, Carolyn Reno said that her father took her out to a place on the northeast side of town, you know, when she was 10 years old, and pointed to a burn ring in the ground and said that was where it landed. And, in fact, I talked to uh, Mrs. Reno's uh, mother. Uh, her father was was uh, dead at the time I interviewed her. And uh, the mother said that, yeah, the the the, uh, the location was uh, on the northeast side um, between uh, Leveland and Lubbock, you know, closer to Leveland. And so, you know, the two witnesses actually get... Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. A combo meal, single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A very well correlated um, account of where that was. And did the did the daughter did the daughter did the daughter and wife see the ring? I'm sorry. Did the daughter and wife see the ring? Did they see the burned area? Uh, you mean you mean uh, the sheriff's? Uh, oh, the, the the ranchers. You said you oh, spoke yes, to the ranchers. Oh yeah, yeah. The the uh, the librarian did see. Yeah, she did see the rings. Her father took her out there to see it. Uh, I don't believe the uh, the wife saw it, but the daughter did. And, okay. Uh, course, uh, the sheriff's daughter didn't see it. She was only only four years old at the time, but uh, she said her father was reluctant to talk about any of it until one day at a coffee shop with a bunch of friends, he kind of started opening up about it, and that's when he talked about being threatened and talked about going out to the ranch and seeing a burn ring. Okay, well, we're going to have to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, I think we'll talk a little bit more about what the sheriff might have seen and uh, the testimony was gathered some 50 years after the fact, which is you know, way we have to do uh, historical research, I guess. Uh, I will have up more information about this at uh, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and uh, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century if you're interested in the Roswell case and Encounter in the Desert, which will become important to this discussion later on uh, this afternoon. 
as we get a little deeper into some of these other cases. Uh, once again, it's www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and take a look at xzpn.net and you'll find a listing of fine programs here that'll surely excite you in some fashion. We will be back right after this. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School proudly presents the Gathering of Shaman 2019 Fall Retreat, Manifestation Samhain. Join me, Certified Shamanic Instructor Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magnificent Colorado Mountains this November 2nd and 3rd for a life-changing event. Participate in unique teachings and ceremonies that will put the power and magic of shamanic manifestation into your hands. Sit in circle with like-minded individuals, sharing group energy and the power it generates. Classes will be held in a facility next to the beautiful, majestic Arkansas River, further empowering the experience. Space is limited, so reserve your spot today. For more information, visit findyourpathhome.com or email touchin at findyourpathhome.com.
I am here with Don Berlinson, he of Roswell, New Mexico, and UFO investigating fame, has uh, looked at a lot of the cases that I'm very interested in as, as well, so we'll, we'll have a good discussion on all that. When we went away, we were talking about uh, some of the problems Sheriff uh, Weir Clem, I think his name was, yeah. had uh, during the investigation and how he eventually went out himself to take a look at the, uh, to see what he could see. I will note here that according to the Project Blue Book files, uh, there is nothing to suggest a burned area anywhere. It may not well have been reported to the Air Force. And that the number of witnesses to the object, according to the Air Force, was only three. What did you find in your research, Don? Well, actually, even the, um, even the early NICAP uh, kind of run through, you know, on that, on that whole affair, uh, listed several witnesses. Um, I counted, uh, my, my wife Molly drew a new map, theirs was uh, a, a little incomplete, and so, you know, we kind of drove around, and I would, I would uh, stop and say, okay, you know, make a, make a mark here, you know, this is a quarter of a mile north, and, you know, turn here, and this is a quarter of a mile west, and so on. And so we actually put together a map, which was um, on the cover of one of the MUFON journals a little after that, and I counted, uh, just looking at it this morning, I counted 11 landing sites, on on road on and near roadways in and well, around well, let me, you know, the town. Let, let me ask this because I know from some of the descriptions the object didn't actually land. It came close to the ground, but it didn't land. Yeah, they were different. One witness said he actually saw it land. Um, the one witness said it was already in the roadway when he drove up. Another, you know, saw it on a in a field that was Pedro Saucedo saw it in a field uh, just north of the road, and then it took off and kind of skimmed over the top of his truck and scared the devil out of him. And some people just saw it in the air. There was a farmer who reported it going over to his combine and, and kind of shutting the combine down, you know, with the EM effect, apparently. So, yeah, sometimes it was in the air, sometimes it was on the road, sometimes it was on the road and, and taking off, sometimes it was in the process of landing. And there must have been close to a dozen motorists who were, were witnesses who, who, who communicated what they had seen to the sheriff. So, yeah, there were a lot more witnesses than that. Well, the NICAP and the Air Force got into a big argument over the number of, number of witnesses. Uh, the Air Force claimed three. Don Kehoe at NICAP uh, claimed there were nine. Don't know why I was yeah. stumbling over the number. And according yeah, well, to my he... calculations and my review of the research, including what's in the Project Blue Book files, there were witnesses at 13 separate locations that reported something all it all almost independently of one another because they all came in from a over a short period of time and there was no opportunity for them to read the newspapers the next morning or any of that sort of thing so there were at least 13 news uh, 13 different witnesses at different locations yeah yeah there were a lot and there were a lot of uh, different locations and, and the locations were different in detail as i said you know some involved the object being aloft at the time, some involved it being on the roadway, some involved it being in the process of taking off, some involved it being in the process of landing. So, yeah, these different witnesses um, all told a, a variety of stories, but they were consistent, too, because if you look at them, uh, one of them said, for example, he saw it take off and go north, and then the timing is just right when another witness says, well, I was at a north location and saw it go by or saw it land again. And so, you know, it all, it all correlates well. Um, but, um, according, according to the Project Blue Book files, according to the documentation available up to this point, um, the sheriff said that he never got, he just saw a streak of red in the distance. Uh, 
Um, I think you suggested yeah, yeah. that the daughter talked about something much closer. No, he, uh, she didn't. She didn't specify that he saw anything more definite than that. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you who else told me uh, about this, though, uh, in terms of the EM effect and so on. Um, before we we took this research trip out to Leveland in, in March of 2002, my wife Molly and I had been passing through there in November of 2001 on our way back from Lubbock, and we happened to stop at a little old bookstore. That's back when there was such a thing as a walk-in bookstore, and he said nostalgically. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, I got to talking to the manager and ask him, you know, do you have any old UFO books? Because I collect them, you know. And so we, the conversation fairly quickly went around to the Leveland incident. It turned out that he had gone to school with one of Sheriff Weir Clem's daughters and had interviewed the sheriff himself at one point. And that's when the sheriff told him he had been threatened um, and, uh, you know, talked about the EM effect. And the, the interesting thing that this bookstore manager told me is that the whole November 1957 event was presaged with uh, other sightings back during the middle of the summer just preceding. He said he and his friends used to crawl up on the roof of a shed, you know, and watch uh, the airspace over Reese Air Force Base just down the road. And he said they saw... Uh, three or four anomalous objects cavorting around in the sky were there on, on more than one night. In fact, uh, on at least one occasion, the Air Force apparently scrambled some uh, uh, some little trainer jets, you know, to go up and have a closer look, and the objects would speed away and so forth. And so there was actually anomalous activity in the air several weeks before the traditionally known, you know, November 2nd and 3rd, 1957 uh, landing event. Or events. Well, I was I was actually driving at a point here because I thought I had something that you might find interesting. Because as I was doing my research into the Leveland case, and I know that the the Air Force document says that uh, he got within 900 yards of the thing, and it was just a streak of light in the distance, and that was all he really saw. And um, I, of course, found nothing to suggest the sheriff himself was threatened in any way. But I did find an article in the Indianapolis Star from November 4th, 1957, where it said the sheriff claimed he was within 200 yards of the object, and in a direct yeah. quote, said it was oval-shaped and a brilliant red. So uh. what I was driving at here was you were talking about... With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this, but with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Uh, the sheriff's daughter, what, what he had told her and what people had heard in kind of a secondhand way. And I had found something from a contemporary source that uh, suggests that the reporter for the Annapolis Star had actually talked to the sheriff before the Air Force got there and, and, and made a big play for it. And he described something that was a little bit more exciting than a streak of red in the distance, which, of course, even if that was all he had seen, 
that of uh, of course kind of corroborates what was going on in the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that all that all fits together very nicely. And uh, um, one of the main things that uh, the sheriff's daughter keeps kept, kept stressing to me was that he was not the kind of guy who was easily disturbed by things. You know, I mean, he was the kind of guy that would you know, stare down a nest of rattlesnakes if he had to, you know. He was a tough guy, and he was not um, easily um, frightened or disturbed by things. But he was disturbed by this whole thing, and, and, and not so much by, as I said, the, the thing in the in the sky, but by the, by the way he was, he was treated uh, in the aftermath, you know. Basically, she said, she remembers him saying that they told him, quote, drop it, unquote, and quote, you didn't see anything, unquote. You know, it reads almost like a movie script, you know, the way they treated him. Well, that's kind of interesting because, of course, we'll we'll get to the Lonnie Zamora case here in just a moment. But that yeah. was kind of the, some of the things that Lonnie Zamora complained about was his treatment by the um, by the by the uh, military and by, and by the news media for that matter about what he had seen yeah. and the Zamora case takes place some seven years later. The other aspect yeah. of this, um, the Condon Committee, the University of Colorado study sponsored by the Air Force to look into UFOs, never looked into the uh, Leveland case at all. There's, I think there's a single reference to it in the Condon report, and it's based on um, some woman's claim that her car had been stalled by the uh, by a close approach of a UFO, and they went out investigated and couldn't find any evidence of it. And so right. they kind of dismissed the, um, the Leveland case because they could find no mechanism by which a huge magnetic force could suppress an engine and then the car would spontaneously restart which yeah, and that, the em effect was something that the level of witnesses continually kept harping about you know even the sheriff we went out in his at that time new 1957 plymouth fury you know um even had a mechanic look at it the next morning saying you know is there any reason this car should have stalled out the way it did and the mechanic didn't find anything of course well, the thing that the, the, the thing that was impor important here is I got to thinking about that, and and the there was really nothing in the dialogue or the descriptions or the um, notes made by the people in the Air Force files and otherwhere that suggested the car started spontaneously. It said when the object left, the car started. And looking yeah, at well, that, you know, I'm thinking they started the car. The 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 occupant started the car. It, it didn't start spontaneously. So this idea we can reject the cases because there's no mechanism for the cars to start spontaneously, is possibly that they didn't start spontaneously. Yeah, yeah. They were able to restart their car, or the car operated, operated normally once the uh, object was gone. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the interesting, maybe the most interesting um, instance among all of that, that crowd of witnesses about the EM effect, there was a fellow named uh, Frank Williams who reached a spot near town where, where three roadways come together, uh, and there was an object sitting there on or almost on the road. And he said that it was kind of a pulsating EM effect. The the intensity of light from the object would come up, and his motor would kind of splutter and his lights would go down. And then, and then the lights would go down on the object, and his motor would kind of cough back up to regular speed, and his lights would come back up. So it was an up again, down again, down again, up again thing, kind of as a... As a pulsation effect. Well, we're going to have to take a break here. I'm uh, joined by Don Berlinson, he uh, of the Roswell area and UFO investigations, the MUFON state director for New Mexico. Uh, we'll 
maybe touch a little bit more on Level Land when we come back, but I want to move on to uh, Socorro and some of the things about that. And an article that he had published in the MUFON Journal about the Holloman UFO landings. I have some questions about that. Blog is uh, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and we will be back right after this, so stick around. You're a skeptic or a believer. Join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. I am here with Don Burlinson. UFO investigator, MUFON state director for uh, New Mexico. We've been talking about level land. I think we've kind of uh, beat that topic into the ground for the moment, unless, uh, Don, you have something you'd like to add that we might not have mentioned? Um, nothing major comes to mind. Uh, other than um, I think the important thing with the level land case is, A, it is multiple witness. It is multiple mm. independent witness. The yeah. object interacted with the environment. There may have been landing traces, which would have been great evidence if they'd gathered it in 1957. Rather than speculating about it today, we'd have a much stronger case. Um, so let's let's move on to this article, which uh, relates to uh, Socorro in one respect, uh, that you, you wrote for the September issue of the MUFON Journal. And there was something in here that kind of bothered me. There's been a... I'm sure you know, there's been a um, 
kerfuffle, I can't think of a better word, a little conflict uh, about the symbol that was seen on the side of the craft. Yeah. Uh, ben Moss and Tony Angiolo think it was an inverted three V with three lines through it. Lonnie Zamora seemed to think that it was more of an umbrella-shaped uh, uh, symbol with a sort of an arrow in it, painted bright red. And uh, the idea was, I think in 1964, when the landing took place, Captain Holder, who was an Army yeah. officer that was involved in the early investigation, I mean, within literally a couple of hours of Zamora seeing the object, had suggested that maybe Zamora not talk about the symbol so that if other people reported the craft and a symbol on it, they would be able to weed out copycats and that sort of thing. But you had in here in the article that there was a um, secret briefing given to fighter pilots about the symbol so they would know what it looked like. And uh, they talked about it being the inverted V with the three lines through it. And I was wondering what the source for that, uh, for that comment was. Well, as, as I understand it, you know, Lonnie Zamora's actual description of the, of the symbol, the red symbol in Spanish was... Tres líneas, una V invertida con tres líneas debajo, which is, you know, an inverted V with uh, uh, with three lines uh, under it. And I, uh, by under it, he means it covers them, not not at the bottom of the page. Well, well let me and, let me interrupt here. I think that description was given by Nep um, Lopez. I think it was the police dispatcher rather than Lonnie. And oh, the problem well, yes. I the problem I have with this is. Lonnie Zamora said that he, um, right after the object left, he he sketched the symbol on a scrap of paper. Right. And that paper was given to the um, military and is in the Project Blue Book files, and Lonnie Zamora signed it. And it's the uh, umbrella sim symbol with the arrow up through it. Yeah. And, and, and then he drew the symbol himself for Holder and FBI agent uh, Arthur Burns. And it was the sa that same symbol, and he signed that. And, um, oh, shoot, uh, Rick Baca drew, based on Zamora's description, drew the, what the object looked like and drew that same symbol on it under the direction of Lonnie Zamora. So my question would be, why would the Air Force file have that symbol in it and not the inverted V uh, with the three lines through it? It is a little strange that the Air Force file would have that. The, the the inverted V with the three lines was one thing, and the one with the curved, you know, sort of bear's paw kind of effect, you know, under a sort of little dome. You know, as uh, if I understand uh, Coral Lawrenson's work on this correctly, uh, she suggested from having talked to people around the area that apparently uh, – the the other the symbol with the with the with the curved top uh, was supposed to be a sort of uh, a copycat catcher. In other words, they I think the idea was let's publish this one, and if people come around saying that they saw this, well, they're really talking about the you know the symbol that they that they couldn't have seen, you know. And uh, but the problem is the problem is the inverted V with the three lines. It was published in newspapers around the country within a couple of days of the sighting. So that
Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street, and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It really doesn't work yeah. out. Well, it's a strange thing because the one, the one with the curved top, you know, the one with the three kind of bear's paw lines with the, with the curved line over them, is the version that Coral used in, in Fate magazine, that little article she did in the October 1964 issue. It's also the same she symbol she used. apparently that... thinking that that was what he had drawn, and she, she didn't use the one with the, with the inverted V. But, but Lonnie, that, Zamora never, Lonnie Zamora never drew the inverted V with the three lines through it. The, the ones that he drew and the ones he signed are all what I think of as the umbrella symbol with the arrowhead up through it <clears throat> that, that appeared in her... Uh, the April 1964 issue of of the April yeah. Bulletin, for example, and yeah. Ray Stanford even sent a letter in May of 1964 to Richard Hall of an ICAP, saying that the um, if you see the inverted V with the three lines to it, that's the fake symbol, and the other one is uh, is a correct symbol. He he reversed it in his book, but in May of 1964 he was saying that it was the in, uh, the inverted V was the fake symbol. Yeah, it's yeah. all very strange. I don't know if we'll ever know, you know, which was which. Really, it kind of depends on who you listen to, you know. But uh, well, but here's the, what here's what bothered here's what bothered me. You 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 say in this article that area pi military pilots would would have been given a classified briefing to warn them to be on the lookout for any airborne craft bearing insignia, the way Zamora had really seen it. I want to know where the information about the um, classified briefing to the Air Force pilots came from. Well, you know, that's the reason I used the verb tense that I did. I said it would have been given. I think they would have had to. In other words, I think they were shown whatever really was the symbol, you know, that, that Zamora attested to. And, and, you know, they must have been told, okay, you know, keep your eyes open if you see anything like this with markings like this, you know, uh, make, make note of it, whichever symbol was which. In other words, they were told what to look for. Obviously, they wouldn't be told to look for a phony symbol. You know, they'd be told to look for which, whichever was the real one. Why do you? Why did you believe it's the inverted V then? Well, that's. Uh, I'm trying to think where that traces back to. It traces yeah. back to Ben Moss and Tony Angiola, and it and it traces back to newspaper articles from 
1964. And I think what happened here is, according to Carmen Morano, who was a Project Blue Book officer, he was working with uh, Hector Quintanella, and they had a big right. folder full with um, Socorro stuff. And well, of course, we, we've talked on the program with uh, Carmen Morano and how this whole came about and Rob Mercer finding the, the uh, material. And they believed, right. I think, uh, um, Tony Angiola and um, Ben Moss believed that it was a classified document they were looking at. Uh, Carmen Morano says, no, it was really a briefing document that they created for for um, the news media to take a look at. And in that, there was a card that had the inverted V with the three lines through it. And it looks like it was something that was copied out of a newspaper and, and drawn on the card. And they assumed that's the real symbol. And that was what uh, Ray Stanford suggested in his book uh, he wrote some, some time later. But my point simply is, all the documentation from that era, from July, from July, from April of 1964, shows the what I call the umbrella symbol, the curved symbol above the arrowhead. You called it the bear claw symbol. Right. It all it all relates back to that, and this inverted V thing comes out only in the newspapers. And so the the real symbol is is not the inverted V, uh, to my way of thinking. So I yeah, was just. Well, the uh, the, uh, the bear claw symbol is the one that Coral Lorenzen used. In uh, in that Fate magazine uh, article in uh, uh, October 1964. Yeah, I have I have, I have no problem with that. I mean that that's, that's yeah. the symbol she used, and as I said, she published it in the April Bulletin. But the problem is, uh, Lonnie Zamora drew the symbol himself personally. The documents right. are in the Air Force file, and he signed that as the real symbol. And I cannot figure out a reason he would have done that in what would have at the time probably been a classified document with no expectation of anybody outside the military seeing it. Yeah, it is all pretty strange, I have to admit, the two, the two symbols. But, but what you're saying is you believe that there would have been a classified briefing, but you had no source on it then. Well, the thing is, um, I'm just supposing that, that whichever was the real symbol that was really on the object area pilots, somebody would really be remiss, you know, if they didn't brief area pilots on what that looked like. But, I mean, the, the point is there's no source. There's not some pilot well, no, said, we, I sat in a class. It's the sort of thing, the sort of thing you, just, you, you just figure, you know, um, the Air Force would do. Uh, it would be in their own self-interest to do it. Okay. Well, let's move on to, and we just have a, a, a second before I have to break. Um, you also, in that article, have an affidavit that talks about the landing in at Holloman Air Force Base in Holloman, uh, April yeah. 1964. Um, a long affidavit, but it seems to me the affidavit is mostly from secondhand sources. We don't well, have yeah, a. The base, the base commander was already deceased, you know, at the, some years before, and uh, essentially it's from uh, his son. And, uh, and and a business associate who actually did the writing. So you know we did we don't have access to the actual you know base commander because he died a number of years ago. But I mean his son uh, was was I had I had no reason to suppose that you know he would make up something like that about his father. You know he seemed like a pretty straightforward chap. Uh, 
it was uh, it was kind of a bombshell to me because I was I was actually giving a a talk on Holland. Let, let me interrupt here. Let me interrupt here because I've got it. I've got a break. I'm coming up against a hard break. I got to go. Uh, we'll have more information about this at my uh, blog, uh, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Uh, and as I say often, the book is uh, Roswell in the 21st Century. It gives you a different, kind of a different perspective about the Roswell case and, of course, Encounter in the Desert. Looks at all of the stuff about Lonnie Zamora's symbol and all of that stuff in depth for those of you who are interested in getting more information about that. And there's things on my blog about it as well. We will be back right after this uh, with Don Burlinson talking about uh, the Holloman Landing. So stick around. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxone, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. 
Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. I am here with Don Berlinson, he, uh, the MUFON State Director for New Mexico. We were talking about the Holloman UFO landing when I, I guess I so rudely interrupted him to take our break. Uh, and I think you were about to tell us how you uh, came across this information as you outlined in the article. So why don't you uh, start at that point? Okay, yeah, I was uh, uh, back in this, just this past April, I was uh, holding a statewide MUFON meeting in Alamogordo, and I was doing a slideshow about the Holloman landing because uh, several years ago I had a new witness come forward saying that he had talked to some officers who had been at the base at the time and so forth. It's kind of a long story, but he, uh, he had... Uh, uh, kind of nursed this uncomfortable memory, you know, for years until he came forward, and I ended up, when he reported it to MUFON, I ended up exchanging about 60 emails with him, you know, and getting, and getting all kinds of interesting stuff, but I was giving a, uh, a slideshow about all of that uh, back at back in April, as I said, in Alamogordo to the statewide meeting, and I was just about through with it, and this fellow in the audience raises his hand and says, I was, my father was uh, uh, Colonel Henry Godman, who was base commander at Holloman at the time you're talking about. And uh, here is a signed notarized affidavit, you know, from me and uh, one of my associates about what my father saw. And he hands the thing to me. And, of course, at the time I only had uh, a chance to just kind of quickly glance over it. But, but I went back, of course, much more in detail later and looked, uh, looked it over. And uh, basically he tells the story that, First of all, it involved uh, some other people. It involved uh, one of the uh, Operation Paperclip scientists from Germany, a fellow named uh, Steinhoff, um, and his son had written to the base commander's friend, and, and, and uh, or, or rather his uh, his son's psychiatrist in California had written to him and said, you know, this this guy who was an airman back at Holloman in, in those days is really disturbed by all this. And apparently something anomalous really happened there involving a UFO and so forth. 
Well, let, let me break in here, and, and, and this is it involves a landing at Holloman Air Force Base and the occupants of the craft getting out of the craft and greeting, being greet, greeted by the base commander. Yeah, yeah. It basically almost all looks like, you know, the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know. Uh, he, uh, uh, the affidavit also says that, you know, when, when this story about Steinhoff, you know, was told, uh, Steinhoff's son was told to, uh, the base commander's son, um, he said, I really, you know, never had any idea about any of that. What I know is I was a kid at the time, and we lived in the base commander's uh, residence, and my father had that famous red telephone by his bed, Colonel Henry uh, Godman. Normally, the telephone uh, only rang if it was the president or something like that, and in fact, it only rang one time during the whole base commander's tenure there, and that was that night. Um best we can tell, April 30th, 1964. And uh, he said, uh, my father rushed out of the house and uh, and later came back looking all flustered and everything and basically said that uh, that uh, the air police had called him out because something anomalous had landed north of the base and he had to go out there to the landing site. And uh, the thing about it is, naturally, you know, well, his father was already, you know, Colonel uh, Godwin was already dead at the time that I talked to this fellow, dead for a number of years. But the father was a very celebrated, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, decorated uh, uh, military type. He he had been, uh, he's, he's, got, he's got a war record going back that just reads, you know, like a, like a movie script, you know. He, he had been private uh, pilot to, uh, General MacArthur uh, during most of World War II, for example. And uh, it's a little hard to imagine his son, you know, like making up a story like this. You know, basically it is secondhand. But, uh, but let, me, let me ask a question. Is, yeah. isn't, the, isn't the first time that this story surfaced was in a book by Robert Emiger? Emiger, Emiger, yeah. Emiger. Yeah. Uh, right. And he says in the book he's giving some of the, the information that you're giving. And um, he says he had seen a, a film, not a video, a film yeah. of the landing. But he also says in that, or it said that it was some kind of a fictional account that the Air Force had put together to test reactions of people to contact with alien. In other words, the, yeah. the, the source material seems to be a little bit shaky here. Yeah, the affidavit that uh, that the base commander sent handed me did refer in the part that talks about uh, uh, Steinhoff's son and his psychiatrist saying that you know the son was disturbed by the whole thing. So it does talk about uh, there having been a film. Apparently, that was part of the narrative, at least at the time. You know, and that that uh, essentially somebody actually filmed the whole thing. So. Apparently, there, there there very well could have been a film, but if, as we all know, you know, things like that have a way of vanishing forever, you know, going down a rabbit hole. Well, I looked at I looked at uh, into this uh, when I was doing the book Encounter in the Desert because I wanted to talk about other New Mexico landings, and this happened within two weeks of Lonnie Zamora's landing, or less yeah, than two weeks. Days later, yeah. Yeah. Um, so so it becomes it becomes an important part of it. <clears throat> And so I, w I reviewed all this material very carefully, and at the very bottom, it seemed that the um, the source material wasn't all that 
structured. I mean, they're talking about what well, we saw this film and they were going to give it to us for a documentary that we were going to produce and that sort of thing. But he also kind of takes it away and said that it was some kind of a fictional account that they put together. So it all seems to be based on kind of a shaky foundation here. And I'm wondering if maybe the, the Colonel's son didn't get bring in some of this from, from the book. Uh, and the book's been out forever in a week. Uh, not yeah. my book, Encounter in the Desert, but Emmaker's book, um, what is it, um, UFOs, Past, Presence, and Future. Right, yeah. And so the story's in there as well as in my book. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's kind of worrisome about... Uh, the, uh, well, the, the only thing that the, that the base commander's son actually claims, because there's all that other stuff from his business associate who wants to be anonymous, you know... Uh, uh, about about um, um, you know the German paperclip scientists and so forth. But the only thing really the base commander claims is that when he was a kid, he remembers well two things. First, when he was a kid, he remembers his father getting the 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 fateful phone call, you know, and going out and coming back and telling his family something weird had landed, you know, just off the base. But the other thing was, when the father was about to die, uh, the son was taking him around on a drive, kind of through the base, kind of showing him nostalgic places and trying to make him feel a little better. You know, he was dying of cancer at the time of the father. And uh, his father actually pointed to a certain place, you know, that they drove by and said, that's where Dr. Uh, uh, Steinhoff. 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 Yeah, Steinhoff and I saw them, saw the aliens. And really all he claims is that as a kid, he simply remembers his father um, imparting these things to him. Well, the quote in your article says this is where Dr. Steinfoff and General, unknown name, the General Station, Holloman at the time, visited with the aliens. So it, it, yeah. our, our... But again, of course, that's secondhand. I mean, you know, we don't have the, we don't have the base commander alive, you know, to tell the tale, but uh, we're just essentially going on what the son says he remembers. Okay. Um, what's your feeling of the secondhand testimony? I mean, we've talked about a number of secondhand testimonies today. Um, yeah, well, you know, of course, first-hand testimony is always better, but, you know, you can't always get it. Uh, secondhand testimony, in my mind, kind of depends on the circumstances. It depends on who it is, what the relation is, what the motivations would be. You know, if somebody's looking for headlines or if somebody's looking for... Uh, you know, to to make some kind of particular impression or something. It's 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 very different if it's a if it's a close family member, or or if it isn't. You know, and it really I think depends on circumstances. But heaven knows, firsthand stuff is always better. Well, we're we're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, do you have a website that uh, you'd like to talk about or get people to look at? Well. Uh, not so much of that. If they just if they would like to know about my books, you know, they can find them on uh, Amazon. Uh, the Marilyn Monroe book is uh, doing very well there. That's something uh, <laughs> I had an exciting time doing. And the the book about uh, uh, Oppenheimer. Basically, just look up uh, Donald Burleson. You know, and those books will be listed there. Well, I think and, anytime uh, you put Marilyn Monroe in anything, you're going to have a Good well, reaction. Yeah, I tell everybody, I don't take any credit for this book selling well. You know, Marilyn sells everything herself just by her image, you know. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Don. appreciate you taking your time this afternoon to talk to us about these things, and I hope the questioning wasn't too tough for you. No, no, my pleasure. You know, we'd, but we have to uh, we have to look at these things um, skeptically, I suppose, to, uh, to, to get to the truth. Absolutely. But I appreciate you... I appreciate you showing up. Thanks a lot. And you have a good well, day. You bet. Thanks. Bye-bye.
So as I say, what we uh, have here, well, at the end end of the day, is I will put up some information on the uh, on my blog at kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Sometimes I go into a little bit more depth about what we were discussed or give you an idea of where uh, you can find more information or links to additional information. So you can kind of look at this yourself and decide whether, well, I, I'm a little hinky about that. I don't know if I want to believe that. Or this is information that I find particularly credible. And I think that the uh, that's the way we need to do this in today's world. We need to look at uh, all sources of information. So we have Don Berlinson, who's presented his side, uh, I guess, from a believer perspective. And I take a look at it from a little more skeptical point of view. And I think that's the way we need to do that, to really come to a conclusion. This is um, another of a long series of reports that we'll be doing on these sorts of things, I hope, in the near future. As I say, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century. Take a look at Encounter in the Desert. This one is specifically relevant to uh, today's program. Take a look at xzbn.net because there's some really great programs that uh, I'm sure that you'll all find interesting. And I will be back next week with... I'm hoping Jim Penniston of the Rendlesham Forest fame, and we'll talk a little bit about what his experiences were with the UFOs and the Air Force. So we will be back in 167 hours and look forward to hearing from you then. Thank you.